Can you hear us yet? Hello. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you guys so much for coming. We're so excited to have I you guys know. here. Especially this late in the evening. We were really worried. We're like, everyone's going to be at dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so I so appreciate it. Can I get everybody to do a big old wave for me? And we can, uh, hold on. Is it smudgy? You know when cameras get smudgy? <laughs> okay. All right, guys, ready to wave? Woo! <laughs> oh man. So um, we're just doing a little pre, 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 pre show. But um, if you guys have been following us, at least on our Insta stories, Jeff and I are launching a podcast. I am a podcast junkie. I fell in love with This American Life when I started editing weddings years ago. Jeff has encouraged me to do a podcast for three, four years. Yeah, I've been wanting her to do it forever. And so we're so excited to actually finally be doing it. And we're actually going to be doing a show on WPPI. It's going to be coming out in a little bit. Yeah. But we're going to be launching the podcast very shortly. It's called Creative Rising. So watch for that. But we thought we would have some fun with you guys before we got started. So thank you for being early. We're like really impressed with you guys. You guys are awesome. You guys are like the cream of the crop. You guys are on time. This is Las Vegas. And we're at WPPI, a giant conference for wedding and portrait photographers. With something around 10,000 attendees, it's the biggest wedding photography conference that exists, at least at the time. And the time? That was February of 2017. Right now, as I'm recording this episode, it's now the beginning of 2019. It's two years later. Awesome wedding, or I finally cleaned my desk. Or I finally remembered what So obviously our podcast didn't launch just a few weeks later like we promised that crowd of people at WPPI. It didn't even launch a few months later in 2017. In fact, this podcast is launching at the beginning of 2019, two years after I announced it in front of those 200 people. And to top it all off, I had already announced this podcast to our email list. At the time, our list had 5,000 subscribers, but it didn't launch. Or at least, I didn't launch it. I could be embarrassed about how I didn't launch the podcast for two years after announcing it. I could be really embarrassed, but I'm not. Not really, anyway. Honestly, I'm more confused. I'm disappointed. And yeah, a part of me is a little embarrassed, but not because I believe I let those 5,200 people down. I'm sure none of those people even remember any mention of our podcast. It's more that I let myself down, again, because this is not the first time that this has happened. Friend, this is the first narrative episode of Creative Rising, a podcast about what it's really like to run a photography business. And it would be easy for me to say that this narrative storytelling style, it's the whole reason that it took me two years to launch this podcast. Since the beginning, I have been adamant that if I'm going to create a podcast, I want it to be in the narrative style. It's the style that I fell in love with when I first started listening to This American Life nearly 10 years ago. And it's a style that keeps me coming back to podcasts again and again and again. It's the style that I believe will actually win over the hearts and minds of bright, creative, ambitious listeners, listeners like you. 
But narrative episodes are not easy. In fact, they're really, really, really hard and really expensive to produce. No one in our photography industry has ever done it before because of the time, the money, and the willpower it takes to do it right, much less at all. So it's a good excuse, right? But if I'm being honest with myself, narrative episodes are not the real reason that I didn't launch the podcast for two years. So instead, I could tell you that life happened and circumstances got in the way because just after WPPI, when I was supposed to launch the podcast, I got a really bad cold and that set me back a couple weeks. And in that time, we found out that we had to move out of the rental house that we were living in. And we found ourselves moving in with Jeff's parents in just a matter of weeks. And then two months later, I got pregnant, which as you'll find out was quite unexpected. But then I miscarried that pregnancy and it was a very painful, difficult and tough miscarriage. And it wasn't my first one either. But then very quickly after that, I got pregnant again. And that time it stuck. And in the middle of a very, very difficult first trimester, we bought a house, we fixed it up. And after living with Jeff's parents for nine months, we moved into it. So fast forward to that next spring, we had our miracle baby, little James. And then I went on maternity leave all summer long. And then I returned to work in the late fall. And I finally returned to my dream of launching this podcast. And that brings me to the present, two years later. But honestly, as much as those reasons might sound like the best excuses in the world to put off launching a podcast, none of those are the real reasons I didn't launch. Friend, this is a story about fear and lies and self-sabotage. It's a story that isn't a unique one, though the circumstances may be uniquely mine. This is a story about the battle of the creative, about self-deception, about finding a level of despair that one can tolerate and calling it happiness. This is about how I subconsciously bought into the lie that my hopes and dreams are not actually possible for me, and then how I tried to prove that lie to be true over and over and over again. So I'm going to tell you the real story of what happened. This call is being recorded. Hello. Hey, I know you. (laughs) How are you guys? Doing great. Erin is, uh, should be dialing in shortly. She's in the other room. She's going to be feeding James and trying to get him to go to sleep. So, but to answer your question, we're great. We're a little tired, but we're great. <laughs> Hello. Uh, hi, Erin. Hi. How are How's you? Going? Oh, good. Oh, yes, James. I'm going to be talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> you what? Yeah. I'm feeding James right now, and sometimes he gets a little distracted when I'm talking, but I you're going to have to deal with it, little buddy, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is my life now. We have a baby boy. His name is James, and he's five months old in that recording that you just heard. And what you're hearing is a coaching call with our business coach, Julia. Her business name is Beautiful Outcome. She's amazing. You should totally check her out. And at the time of this coaching call in September of 2018, I have just come off of four months of maternity leave. 
maternity leave that I never, ever thought I would ever get to take. All right, Erin, tell me the story of Miracle Baby Youngren. Well, the story of Miracle Baby Youngren really starts when we expanded our business into our multiple brands. For many years, we were the Youngrens. It was the two of us. We had our cat, Gracie. We worked out of our house and we traveled and we shot our weddings. And then in 2012, we decided to expand into our associate wedding photography brand, Clove and Kin. And then we bought a local commercial photography studio called Bomb and Photographers. And in a very short amount of time, we went from the two of us, we were our own bosses, to a staff, a team of photographers, and a studio space. And it was a huge shift, a huge transition. And once we got inside of Bomb and Photographers, inside of this commercial business, we knew that there was stuff that needed to be redone and overhauled, but we didn't realize that there was so much. The business basically needed to be rebuilt from the ground up in so many ways. And it was really overwhelming. Yeah, I think it was just way harder than we anticipated, like by a long shot. It was a lot. Yeah, we just had no idea how hard it was going to be. And that was a really difficult time. And at the same time that we expanded into these brands, we also started trying to have a family. And that was because the whole point of having these brands, the whole long-term vision was that we wanted to be able to scale back shooting our own weddings at some point. Preferably when like our kids were school age and we wanted to have our weekends and our summers back to be with our family. And so we wanted to build a business that was sustainable, that we could run long term and have the option and the freedom to scale back our own wedding. So we start trying to have a family right away. And immediately, like a month or two in, I have my first miscarriage. And I had an infection right after that. And what I didn't know at the time was that that infection basically rendered me unable to get pregnant. So we tried having or getting pregnant for the next couple of years. And it was really hard because just nothing was happening, especially after having gotten pregnant so soon. Having nothing happen for the next two years was really just confusing and really just like, what is going on? So we started the fertility testing process and came to find out that that infection had caused a lot of damage, or at least that's what we believe caused all of this damage. And my doctor was like, you are unable to get pregnant on your own. You are going to have to adopt or do IVF. And that was devastating for me to hear that I couldn't get pregnant. And um, that six months after I found out that news was the hardest period. It was like, that was the low point for me. Not only did I find out this devastating news and I was wrecked and I was just out of my mind broken, but the businesses were also not doing what we wanted them to do. They were fine. They were sustaining themselves, but we were not making the money we wanted to make. And we were not making the kind of money we needed in order to pay for IVF for adoption. And I felt like our hopes and dreams were just not happening. What we wanted, what we had expected, what we had hoped for was just not occurring for us. And that was the point when I started to really resent the business. And I started to really hate the business and I blamed the business for it because I was like, if the business was doing better, we could pay for IVF. We could have a kid. We could pay for adoption. But instead, the businesses are not doing what they wanted. There were all these problems with it that we didn't know about. And it's been a lot harder than we ever thought. And so because of that, 
we are not able to have our family and our hopes and dreams are not happening. Yeah, I mean, I remember just feeling really like overwhelmingly bitter and wanting to literally just pull the plug and run away and push restart and try something completely different because I was so frustrated. Yeah, we had conversations where we were like, what if we just shut it down and just walked away? And that sounded so enticing. It was this huge temptation to just say, we're done, we're out, we're moving on, that failed, and just leave it behind us and never think about it again. And there were, but we had financial commitments that prevented us from doing that. And right now, I'm thankful that we didn't. But at the time, I was angry because I'm like, we can't, we have to stay here. We have to be in this like failure of a thing until we can figure it out. And I was so angry about that. The good thing about being in such a, I've heard it referred to as the trough of sorrow, and I definitely feel like that's what it was, this trough of sorrow, was that we then had to rebuild not only our business, but I had to rebuild myself. And so that kind of forced me into this period of confronting a lot of my demons and confronting a lot of my past wounds. I had a lot of unforgiveness in my life. And it was all presenting itself as this victim mindset of life happening to me. So that was 2016, right? Yes, that was all of 2016. And so leading into 2017, we had saved up some money and we started the process of going into IVF in that year. And to do that, I needed to have a surgery to fix some of the damage that had been caused to do IVF. That surgery, my doctor told me, okay, I'd fix some things, but this is not going to help you get pregnant on your own. You will still need to do IVF. And then two weeks later, I got pregnant all like out of nowhere on my own without any intervention. That was like this devastatingly joyful, heartbreakingly amazing moment where I'm sitting there with three pregnancy tests that are positive and I just couldn't believe what was happening. It was amazing. I had that pregnancy for 10 days and then I miscarried it. And I found myself on the other side of my being. Instead of being devastatingly joyful, I was devastatingly broken again. And the only hope in the whole thing was that I got pregnant on my own which was a big hope and a big breakthrough, but it didn't make the pain of the miscarriage any less. The fact that I had this miracle and then it kind of just slipped through my fingers. Like it was like that dream, that hope had again, just disappeared out from under me. But very quickly after that, I got pregnant again. And it was really hard because I was not joyful in that moment with that new pregnancy test because it was still so close to the previous loss that I felt terrified. And I was a little bit angry at God. And I said, God, if this is not going to stick, why would you make me go through this again? I cannot bear the thought of going through another loss so soon. And so I was just terrified through those whole first weeks of just not wanting to believe it, not knowing where to be, not knowing how to act. I was just scared. And then we got to our eight-week ultrasound and there was a heartbeat. And I sat up on that table and I just cried. And we, we freaked out our ultrasound tech. <laughs> yeah, we were both just, just wrecked. <laughs> and it was like the four and a half years of this journey of grief and sorrow had finally just started coming to a close and it was like everything just came out of me. 
on the ultrasound table and I was sick as a dog from the first trimester and I was exhausted and I could barely function, but I was so relieved and I could start being happy about it. And so that pregnancy stuck and that's, and that's Mr. James today. (laughs) Sweet baby James. Sweet baby James. (laughs) So that was 2017, but let's back up a little bit to 2016, which was when we were doing, you're doing transformational coaching. And then in 2017, beginning of January, 2017 is when we started launching the podcast, right? Yeah. So before the pregnancies and the miscarriage, I was all gung-ho about launching the podcast. I had just come out of transformational coaching. I'm feeling amazing. I'm feeling great. And we're recording. We're at WPPI. We're like announcing it. Yeah. I'm like walking around WPPI. I had my headphones on always, mm-hmm. microphone out always, and like telling everybody that we saw like, yeah, a podcast is coming out in like a few weeks. Just get ready. It's going to be amazing. And we're feeling so cool. Like everyone is seeing us with all this podcasting gear and they're like, what are they doing? This is so crazy, unique and different. And then I come home from WPPI with this terrible cold. And so I sound horrible. I start recording some stuff and it just, I listen back to it and I'm like, no, there's no way we can ever launch this. It sounded like you were like a smoker with like something clipped to your nose, like, like, like a clothespin (laughs) on your nose. (laughs) Like my nose was plugged. It was so nasally and gross. And in that same period, our landlords decided to sell the house that we were living in at the time. And so we decide to pack up our life, put it in a storage unit and move in with your parents. And that happens in a very, very quick period of time. And so we move in with your parents and then the surgery happens, the miscarriage happens, and then the pregnancy happens. And that takes us through most of the year. So the podcast got set aside, pushed aside, (laughs) thrown aside, I don't know, but basically just derailed. Then, you know, we get pregnant with James, we find a house, we buy it, we renovate it, spend like six weeks you know, doing work on it. That takes us to Christmas. And then everything from there is like all about James and this miracle baby that's on its way of getting the house ready. And then we have James that next April. And then I go on maternity leave for the next four or five months. And that brings us to two years after that WPPI. How does that make you feel to just say? It sucks. I mean, it just sucks. I had basically given up on the podcast. By the time we had James, I was basically like, it's over. The train has left the station and like all my hopes and dreams for this podcast have just left with it. Another hope and dream of mine. Something had carried it away. And in true passive voice, this circumstance had simply happened to me. Like the miscarriages, like the businesses, it had caused the failure of the podcast. And this is not the first time this has happened, this passive voice victim story of mine. In fact, I have this pattern when it comes to doing something that is really scary for me. I'll get really excited about a new project or effort. I'll work really hard on it for a period of time. I'll put myself out there, do all the research, get the ball rolling, and I'll feel like I will follow all of the exact steps that I'm supposed to follow. And then I'll take the risk. And that risk? it won't meet my expectations. And it will hit me really, really, really hard. And then instead of admitting that it hurt and that it sucked and then learning from it and trying again, I'll just quietly give up. Because giving up 
is so much easier. Friend, thank you so much for joining me here on Creative Rising. We're going to continue with the story in just a moment. But in the same way that we are pulling back the curtain on our business and sharing with you the inside story, I want to do the same thing for an amazing sponsor that is responsible for helping us make these narrative episodes possible. Thank you to this amazing company, and I want you to learn all about them. Where should I start? Let's see. Okay. So the first thing I want to, I want to do something for you. I want you to tell me what I'm doing. You ready? I'm good. Go. (sighs) (laughs) That's definitely a tea. It's definitely tea. It's definitely tea. Okay. But what kind of tea is it? I'm going to go with a, sounds like an Earl Grey. You are correct. Ding, 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 (laughs) ding, 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 ding. We got a winner. Meet Jake, the co-founder of Freedom Edits, the company that we trust when we outsource our editing. And if you can't tell from his accent, Freedom Edits is based in the UK, Wales to be exact. So Jeff tends to have a lot of fun with him when they get on the phone together. Way to go on knowing what kind of tea I am drinking. So big question for you relating to tea when it comes to Freedom Edits. So you guys have a a team of people there. You guys are always working really hard on everybody's images. But the big question is, is do you guys actually break for tea time? (laughs) Oh, most definitely. Afternoon tea every day, 2 p.m. Is that true? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, it's definitely not. Does anybody break for tea time? Or is that just a thing Uh, that us Americans think happens? I mean, yeah, like you guys break for coffee and have a coffee break like we break for tea but probably 10 times more i'd say okay one more serious question about tea uh why so i'm sitting here drinking um this earl gray and i'm curious why do you guys like this stuff it doesn't have it doesn't taste like coffee at all (laughs) (laughs) just tastes like leaves in a bag right (laughs) it's like leaves in a bag it tastes like dried up leaves it's like i went outside raked up some leaves and then put them in boiling water I know. (laughs) We love it. You love it. I love it. Yeah. Can you talk about a time that you've worked with a client that has just been so surprised by what you guys have done and it's kind of just made you just really almost giddy happy with like, yeah, we're doing something right. Like something that you've come home and told your wife, like, guess what? Guess what we did for a client today. This is really cool. Can you think of a story where you've really helped someone? Yeah, definitely. I, I could probably pick one of those every day, you know, the amount of people we get signed up and using us um, and just having those wow moments. So that's what we call them internally is we look to give people those wow moments every day. Um, and it could be a client who's been with us, you know, for two years, could be someone who's just started today. But most of those experiences come when we send the test images back and people like people are so shocked that we get it first time. There's a reason why the onboarding process is what it is for us. And it's because we're able to just replicate what you do every single time. There's there's no more kind of getting frustrated or getting to order number one, two, three, five, ten, whatever that may be. And that kind of editing service still not getting your images right. That onboarding just helps us so much in getting that uh, wow moment to come really quick. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So you guys are like focused on like, hey, when are we going to get the wow moment? We got to get that wow moment. Is that something you guys say internally, like during tea time? <laughs> definitely, definitely during tea time when we gather around the uh, the tables, sat on the chalange, and you know <laughs> all of that stuff. We're um, we're definitely looking for the the wow moment wherever we can get it, and um, as as often as we can get it as well. Freedom edits, getting your life back one cup of tea at a time. 
Freedom Edits is giving Creative Rising listeners their first job edited for free. So learn how at creativerising.com forward slash freedom. That's creativerising.com forward slash freedom. The first thing I want to encourage you is that your commitment to do something authentic means that you're committed to humility. We're back to the present and back to our coaching call with Julia, where the conversation has turned from James to this pattern of struggle that I have. You're committed to vulnerability and and what you're walking through is the very thing, the people you're wanting to reach, the people who want something authentic are the, the people that are looking for someone to be real with them. So could it be that your struggles are actually your training ground of the material that wants to flow through you? And your willingness mm. to be with it and be honest about what's happening, the vulnerability is what the authenticity. Mm. That's really interesting. For example, with the podcast, I'm not embarrassed, but I could be really embarrassed about this because I put it out there and was very vocal about it. When no one's been like, what the heck is happening? But I was open about it. And the more open I'm about it, the more it's going to happen. At WPPI, we did recordings beforehand in front of 200 people and we're like, the podcast is coming in the next month or so. And then it just didn't happen. It was crickets. And so 200 people aren't going to remember, but I care. It's not a painful thing, but I have all these amazing recordings from back then. By the time the podcast is launched, it'll be two years old and that's crazy. But what if I talked about not what the content was supposed to be, but I made these recordings two years ago and this is what happened with life. This is real. This is how it goes. And this is Talk what the journey was. And um, even in that, your own discovery. Because, mm-hmm. yes, life happens. But at the same time, your willingness to get honest with yourself about how you actually self-sabotaged in life happening. Yeah. Do you recognize your rackets were at play and your mm-hmm. comfort zone and all that was at play? And it was easy to use life as an out, as a way to play it safe. But in reality, your willingness to own your own, how you got your way is a part of the gift and a part of the authenticity. Yeah, yeah. Self-sabotage. That really stung to hear. It was honestly the first time I had even considered that I may have actually done this to myself, that I probably would have still done this to myself even if life didn't go haywire and we hadn't moved and we didn't have a miscarriage and if we didn't buy a house and have a baby, I still would have found some reason not to launch because at the very beginning, a cold was all the excuse I really needed. So as Julia says, if I really get honest with myself, it's the thought of putting a narrative episode out there that terrifies me. But if I really, really get honest with myself... I don't believe that this podcast is going to be good enough, that people are really going to care or really going to listen to it. And if I really, really, really get honest with myself, it's that I don't believe that I'm good enough, that it's really me that's the problem, that no one wants to listen to me or hear my thoughts or my ideas. I believe that anyone else could make this podcast and it would be great. And it would be successful and it would launch and go crazy. But me, I just tend to fail. When I look at the two options, one, launching a narrative podcast and having it fail, or two, never launching a podcast and being able to blame it on circumstances, 
never launching feels much safer. It means that I don't have to blame myself for the failure. I can continue to be the victim in the story, the one that had life happen to me, instead of the one that did something risky and then had it all fall apart. Honestly, I just don't want to repeat how I felt after buying the studios in those difficult trough of sorrow years. But the interesting thing is that I only listed two options there, launching and failing or never launching at all. But what about the third option, launching and having it succeed? Or a fourth option, launching and having it go just okay? Or a fifth option, launching and working on it for a while and then it transitions into something entirely different? And what about the possibility that those two years were actually the whole point? What if I'm actually where I'm supposed to be to begin with? There are a million possibilities of what could happen, and yet... I found myself stuck on this word failing. So I asked Julia about it on the call. Well, I can tell for me the significant difference is which mindset I'm in. If I'm in a mindset of proving and protecting, then I just keep doing more of the same. And if I'm in a mindset of learning and growing, then I'm producing results and I'm humble and I'm looking at, I don't see mistakes. I don't see failures. I see things that I learned, things that I'm like, oh, okay. Let me try this. That didn't work. Let's try this, you know. But when I'm improving and protecting is when I want to give up. And when I want to just, I live in the discouragement because I feel like I'm failing. That's the sign for me that I'm in the proving and protecting mindset. That is a great way of summarizing it because that puts words to how my heart feels with the education piece of just looking at other people and being like, they're doing it so well. How do I prove myself worthy of doing the same thing or doing similar things or competing in that environment? When I'm proving and protecting, I'm completely resisting and I'm in all my automatic reactions. When I'm learning and growing, I'm on the thriving cycle and new possibilities open up. And where I began to realize that if what's happening, what I know is happening is the ground is being plowed in me and it's powerful. Then at that point, I'm willing to risk in ways I wouldn't be willing to risk when I'm proving and protecting. Because that's the thing. When I'm proving and protecting, I won't risk. I'll look for someone to blame. Or something to blame. Anytime the thought goes through my head, I'm failing. I immediately know I'm improving and protecting mindset. And one of the ways that I shift that is if I'll shift to what's working, what's not working, what's wanted and needed. I can tell you for myself, it's wherever I don't want to go is right where I need to go. Because the gift is, it's what wants to happen through you. Wherever we resist, wherever we don't want to go, The growth and learning mindset will take us right there. The proving and protecting mindset will be turn around, let's walk away, and let's come over here. This will be good. This is vulnerable. This is authentic. And it's really just a glorified version of proving and protecting that we are trying to convince ourselves that we're being vulnerable and and authentic. And that context for a podcast, like if you're going to get vulnerable about your business, the willingness to, to own first what's working. And then to discuss what's not working, to help people see this isn't about failing. This is about honesty. This is about the willingness to get honest with myself about what's not working based on the goals that I want. On paper, you guys' business is completely working. There isn't anything about it that's not working. It's definitely working. What's not working is the desire. It's not matching up to the hopes and dreams you guys have. You bought these companies, you merge them together. You thought sales were going to go off the roof. 
this is going to explode. And now it's not. It's in a transition phase. It's shifting of a lot of different things. The business is working. It's just not working to the level of your hopes and dreams. And that's what the not working category is about. There's a major theme behind all of it that's really significant. What do you think that is? Um, um, I feel like I should know. Go to some of the despair you felt and articulate it. What is it really? Um, you said the despair. Was that the word you used? Yeah. yeah. The despair that I felt in the education world is not feeling good enough. Feeling like I'm not going to succeed because ultimately I'm not good enough. Okay. Not good enough for what? For my expectations, for what I think it should be. Yes. For what I believe should be true. If you think Um, about it, the despair, the depression, it's our own sense of hopelessness that our dreams and desires are not possible. Yeah. That's all it is. It doesn't mean that what we're doing is not working. It means that we're being tempted to buy in to a level of despair we think we can tolerate and define it as happiness, and we don't want to. We know we're mm-hmm. settling, and that's depressing. When we're in that place with the fixed mindset, with the proving and protecting mindset, we're just looking to prove that our hopes and dreams are not possible, and that's depressing. Mm. So that's when someone would listen to something and take that to mean they're just proving mm. to themselves that they're not worth it because they're taking that to, as evidence to corroborate yes. that story. You're in it with saying... Here's what we realize. We have this hope in this dream and it feels at the moment, it's tempting to feel it's not possible. And I want to make yeah. it about me and I want to dumb my vision down. And yet the reality is, you know, I'm not willing to do that. And yeah. so if I'm not willing to do that, then that means I got to shift into learning and growing. I can't look at this as a failure. I can't look, I can't choose the hopelessness if I really want to go after my dream. It means I need to die to myself. I need to risk. I need to do the thing I'm too scared to do. Or I can buy into the depression and just sit here and make myself right about why this isn't going to work. My experience is that this is what wants to happen through you guys. When you look at the business and you look at that, you guys are wanting growth out of the business and the business is, it's not at a growth place. It's at a shifting place. It's at a reinventing place. It's, you know, you guys are doing great and cutting back costs and, maintaining the Mm -hmm. profit margins, but in reality, the sales aren't increasing in the way you guys want them to increase. My experience, Jeff, is that's your opportunity in the business is there's a, there's a vulnerability that's inviting you. There's a, a risk. It's a major risk to be vulnerable. That's a gift. What if it's our willingness to get vulnerable that brings about the gift of we actually need? What if it's the wanting everything to look good on the outside so the world thinks everything's going great is the very thing that keeps us from what we want because it's a facade. How many businesses do you think are in your state that would love to know that someone who's bringing in, you know, a half million dollars a year is struggling? Yeah, I think that it's a big, it's a big deal for me to want to look put together. I think that's just a human desire. I mean, I'm not alone in that. Look like, yeah. look good, feel good, yeah. be right, be in control. It, it's the comfort zone. Yeah. It's innate in every human being. That's buffered so many things for me. For As I'm thinking about it, it's buffered so many things for me for so long, especially when I consider you know the education component of what we've done, where it's like, okay, is that sharing too much? Is that too authentic? Is that too true? If people knew that 
we know how to do this, but we're not actually able to do it. There's a disconnect. Would people think that we're a joke? And maybe they would. What I'm loving that you're saying is there's a component of people that might write us off or say, well, they're not actually successful. But anybody that's actually in that same phase would almost crave to hear something they can relate to. You know, I only have four coaching students and all of them are in that phase. They're all just like, I don't know how I'm going to make this. And they might be bringing in $50,000 and they don't know how to make that. And you guys are bringing in 10 times that. But the reality is the battle's the battle, no matter what level you're at. This is the entrepreneur's battle. Every creative journey, moment by moment, day by day, the very definition of creativity is stepping into the uncertainty. It's risking, it's being vulnerable. And this is the battle of the creative. Mm, and when you're in the uncertainty, the moment you choose proving and protecting, you're going to feel like you're feeling. That's great. That honestly, it unlocks the name of the podcast, which is Creative Rising, which was a name that came to me when we were really going after it. Honestly, it came to me at a time when I was deeply asking the Lord for a name. And I don't quite understand how this fits what we want to do, or I don't quite understand how this name can be engaging or mean something. But when you're talking about like, this is the creative battle that connects it for me. I have lots of chills. <laughs> really? <laughs> All the chills. You're going through the creative writing. If you had thousands of followers and knew that as soon as you put a podcast out there, it's going to get tons of listens. There's no creative rising to that. It's just lots of mirrors. And the moment that is what some people experience, but the moment it gets difficult and trust me, I coach plenty of people who extremely successful, everything was going wonderful. They didn't even really know how they got there. It just bam. Then mm -hmm. things get tough and holy shit. It's a whole different story. You guys are being graced that you're being gradually moved up. You're getting the opportunity to learn how to be in the grit of it in a different way. And it's willing to accept your journey. It's willingness to accept that what wants to happen through you guys, you're on the journey of it. And mm -hmm. it's your willingness to embrace it and accept it and be grateful for it and be with what is. Yeah, this is, this is incredible. It's a total flip, Aaron, from everything that we were thinking about. Because I think with the name, I was always thinking, okay, Creative Rising, what a great name. We're going to help creatives rise. But Julia's assertion that like we're actually the ones that are going through it, we're the creatives that are rising, it's powerful. And it is a flip. I wasn't planning on being the subject of the podcast I wasn't planning on being in the grid of it, of opening the doors on our own business about what's working and definitely about what's not working. I would rather be buttoned up and presentable. But the truth is, we're not. We're kind of messed up. But what I love about what Julia is saying is that with this podcast, I am back in those same shoes of just starting out, trying to birth a vision into reality. My favorite business quote of all time isn't actually a quote about business. It's a quote about dreams. And it's by T.E. Lawrence. He says, quote, All men dream, but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds wake in the day to find that it was vanity. But the dreamers of the day are dangerous men, for they may act on their dreams with open eyes to make them possible. 
end quote. It is comfortable and safe to dream at night. It's pleasant and easy. A dream can survive for as long as I want it to when it exists in the darkness. And that's where this podcast has lived for the last two years. But when the morning arrives, when I think about the fact that I haven't launched yet, it brings with it a deep disappointment that I have not made this dream into reality again. Dreaming in the daylight, however, is wrought with challenges. All of the flaws and misgivings and vulnerabilities of this vision are exposed in the raw, harsh light of the day. It's frightening and intimidating. But then again, dreams are like diamonds. All of its beauty is allowed to sparkle only when it's exposed to sunbeams. It's scary, to be honest, and vulnerable about our businesses. It's scary to start all over again when I feel like I've been here before, only to fail. But this is the same place where many of you have been before if you're not there right now at this moment. Because the battle is the battle is the battle, no matter what level you're at. It's the battle of the creative, and this is how creatives rise.